Love Talk Radio. Evening, y'all. Please take a seat on the couch. And good evening. It's Monday, May 20th, 2013. I'm Vinny Bon Marini, and I welcome you to take a seat on the couch. And I know it's a little different than what we normally do. We normally start right with music. But I got a message from uh, uh, one of my couch kids who said uh, he had a bunch of things, a couple, three things that he really wanted to talk about. Um, and with this being the last show before a week off of Memorial Day and whatnot, and these things sort of happening right now, I said, why don't you come in really at the top of the show? I'll give you a few minutes. You can tell the world what, what's going on because I think it's really some exciting stuff. Uh, and uh, I'll let you know who I'm talking about. His name is Jason Wells, and he was just on with us uh, uh, a number of months back. And um, Jason, hey, how are you? I'm good. I'm doing real good. Thank you. Great, how are you? Great. I'm doing fine. Uh, so what's going on, bud? Well, um, let's see. I've got uh, uh, a week from tomorrow. My band uh, got an opportunity to open up for Candlebox in Kokomo, Indiana. So we're really looking forward to that. Um, we got a we're gonna be uh, rocking the house there, and and uh, that's gonna be really really cool. So uh, what venue? Uh, it's called Center Stage. And okay. It's, it's a fairly small to medium size, I would say. Um, mm-hmm. Um, so it's going to be really, it's just going to be a lot of fun. So cool, cool. Yeah, we're looking forward to that opportunity. And um, uh, I've got tickets. Um, you can get tickets on my website, um, JasonWellsMusic.com. And uh, it's too late to get them mailed, probably, but uh, you can pick them up uh, the day of the show, um, something like that. So sure. at will call. Yeah, we'll be able to order them yeah. and uh, pick them up at will call. Good, good. Yeah. Uh, that's great! Great news! Congratulations. Yes, thank you, thank you. Okay. So, uh, and I've got. Um, I just, I just also wanted to mention. Um, I got a new video that I made. Uh, released a new single, and uh, it's called "Till I Get Home." And uh, it's kind of a, it's kind of a bluesy traditional, not a traditional blues, but like a traditional kind of gospel feel. Um, mm-hmm. Slide guitar and. Um, so I made a video for it. It's on YouTube. Um, it's called "Till I Get Home." Um, and so it's it's pretty cool. It's turned uh, out really all, really good. Is that's also linked from your website? That's also linked to, from your website, isn't it? Um, you know, as a matter of fact, I'll have it up there in just a few minutes on my website. Okay. Yes, right okay. on the homepage. Okay. Cool. Yeah. And um, and and uh, just working on some. I got some brand new songs. Um, working on. Going to be going back to the studio. Um, soon, hopefully sooner than later, but um, going to be starting on it real soon. And, and uh, we've already been playing a couple of them live a few times, and uh, so looking forward to that. Working on my next CD, and, and I've been right doing a lot of writing. Um, so it's uh, it's coming along. I got about six songs right now. We're going to get uh, get it started, and then uh, hopefully uh, get some more songs. What I've been writing really hard the last probably the last month. So great. Great. So uh, a week from today, a week from today, right? Kokomo, Indiana with Candlebox. A week from tomorrow. A week tomorrow. from tomorrow. Okay. The 28th. Okay. Yes. Cool. Well, congratulations. Yeah. Great news, Jason. When the when the record's yeah. ready, I hope you bring it bring it over here to the catch for us. I will. I sure will. Okay. Uh, it's JasonWellsMusic.com. You can go over there, uh, check out the tickets for a week from tomorrow, uh, Kokomo at the uh, Fieldhouse, correct? Center, center stage. Center stage. Sorry, center stage. Yeah. I was thinking of another place. Um, center yeah. stage. Uh, Jason Wells Band and uh, opening up for uh, um, 
Candlebox. Candlebox, thank you. Yes. <laughs> cool, cool. Thanks so much, Jason. Right. Thank you for having me on. Thank you. All right, you no too. No problem. Bye-bye. Just because I feel compelled. Good evening again. It's Monday, May 20th, 2013. I'm Vinny Bond. 
and I want you to take a seat on the couch, and if my switchboard unlocks, we can get the show started. Ah, yes, isn't this fun? Um, we just uh, heard from Jason Wells, who uh, talked about uh, um, opening up for Candle Week from tomorrow. Uh, I am stalling for some time here, folks. Uh, my, as I said, my uh, switchboard just locked up on me. That's pretty strange. It's uh, never happened like this. Um, anyway, uh, Music on the Couch is sponsored by Sunday Wild and her latest release, He Gave Me a Blue Nightgown. The album hit number one on B.B. King's Bluesville's Picks to Click and number one on Global Blues Charts on Airplay Direct. He Gave Me a Blue Nightgown as a collection of 13 songs that stretched the boundaries of the blues featuring the vocals and boogie piano of Miss Sunday Wild. Pick up He Gave Me a Blue Nightgown and be transported to the smoky juke joints of yore. Check out all things Sunday Wild and purchase. If you love the blues, you should be a member of the Blues Foundation. If If you love the blues, He gave me a blue nightgown. <laughs> Pick it up and be transported to those smoky juke joints of yore. Check out all things Sunday Wild and purchase. He gave me a blue nightgown as well as other Sunday Wild albums at www.sundaywild.com. S-U-N-D-A-Y-W-I-L-D-E.com. We'll get to that in a couple of minutes because when my switchboard unlocked, my first guest came online also. Uh, we heard the, uh, just a couple of minutes ago the title song. From the latest album by my first guest, Miss Hilda Lamas. The album is entitled Love Me Alone. Evening, Hilda, and thanks for taking a seat on the couch with all its craziness this evening. <laughs> thanks for having me, Betty. It's good to <laughs> finally get to put a voice to all these wonderful emails. Oh, thanks. Um, I, Hilda, where were you born? Um, I was born in Aransas Pass, Texas. Okay. Um, and as a small girl, what kind of music did your parents play in your home? Oh, goodness. I grew up on Motown and gospel. Oh, did you? Interesting. I uh, sure did. Yeah. I, and I, okay, now I read that your first solo public performance was at the age of four in your local church. Um, I guess I presume you've been singing in the choir prior to that? or? Well, my mom was very active in our Baptist church, and she was actually the children's choir director for a while, and also the adult choir, so... She was really involved with the church, and um, the pastor had actually tricked me. I sang a, a song in the Christmas pageant they had, and he tricked me, and he said, hey, you know, your microphone was off, so why don't you sing it tomorrow morning for the service? And this was obviously a Saturday night pageant. And so I wound up singing it by myself, and it was a little song. It was called Christmas is the Time. Four years old, and um, so now you you finish. How did it feel? Do you remember? Honestly, I don't remember. I just remember my mother showing me the video. Uh-huh. And I was like, wow, okay. And my mom was like, yeah, you were four. And, you know, she's telling me the story, and I'm just like, I don't remember, but okay. You don't, you don't, re- you, you don't remember. That's interesting. <laughs> okay. Um, you continued to sing in church uh, and, and in school as you went through your childhood and teen years, correct? Yes. Uh, any chance that I could sing, whether it was a sporting event or just like a school talent show, I always wanted to get in there. And my my mom was really supportive of, you know, just trying to get us involved in school, not so much the music. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, I always tried to find a way to sneak. I was like, mom, it's for school. 
Um, so my, my mom would be supportive because it was for school. And, in fact, there was a UIL competition I entered. I was, goodness, a freshman in high school. And the competition was create your own music video. So I was like, yes, oh. I can sing in my own music video, and my mom has to be okay with it because it's for UIL competition. Oh, okay. That's interesting. Yeah. Uh, and, and, did, and did you do it, and how did you do in the competition? I did it, and I didn't place it all, but I had so much fun. Had fun, yeah. What kind of music were you listening to when you got to your you know, freshman in high school about that time in your life? Once I got to my my high school years, my my older sister had a boyfriend at the time, and he was real into country music. So at that point, I was starting to get turned on to the country music just via my older sister. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And were you doing uh, were you singing at all um, outside of school or church uh, in social situations? And what kind of music were you doing then? Um, really, it was just in the church situation, and of course okay. in high school and. You know, in church you have to sing, you know, your traditional gospel and contemporary sure. Christian. And um, I was a really big fan of Sandy Patty and Jackie Velasquez, and I still am. So. Now, uh, during high school, were you more interested in science or music? Oh, music by far. I would always tell my teachers, I, and I'm kind of embarrassed about this now when you think about it, but I would always just do just barely enough to get that passing grade. And I still remember telling my geometry teacher, she's like, no, you need to have this for the rest of your life. And I said, no, I'm going to sing, and I don't need to know geometry. And she wasn't too happy with that, and she gave me detention. (laughs) But I was just real adamant. I was like, no, I'm going to sing. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, my my mom didn't like that. My parents really didn't like it. Um, But that was just my mindset. I guess you could say I had my head in the clouds at a very early age. But you did go, you did, you know, graduate from high school and you went to Texas A&M in, in the biology program. So, I mean. I I did. Um, I graduated high school. I was in the top 10% of my class. And that was just so you weren't one really doing, when I graduated. But so, so, so you say to the teacher, you know, you're only going to do what you have to do to get by. But, you know, you graduate in the top 10%. So it seems a little at odds with each other. Um you know, well, obviously... the way that they did our our ranking was if you took the AP classes, you uh-huh. automatically graduated higher than anybody else. Okay. And so we had a very small amount of us that were actually in the AP courses, and my mother forced me to be in the, in the AP classes. So just kind of by default, because I took them, mm-hmm. I was mm-hmm. automatically ranked higher than everybody else. <laughs> okay. Um, but that didn't, that didn't, it didn't really last too long, did it? Because you ended up taking a a music class your sophomore year. Uh, talk about talk about deciding to take that class and what was it? Well, it's pretty interesting because what had happened is I came in as a biology major and I was miserable. I didn't like it. I wasn't applying myself. And so naturally, when you're on financial aid and you have all of your student loans and everything, you have to maintain a certain GPA. So my GPA was really low, and I had to bring it up. And so I was like, wow. So I was just flipping through the catalog, and I was like, wow, they have music classes here? Because I didn't know that. (laughs) And so I found this beginner piano course that was happening during the summer, and my mother had put us into piano lessons. I was about six years old when I first started taking lessons. So my mindset was like, wow, I can go in there, have an easy class, 
as beginner piano, and nobody needs to know any kind of my musical background at all. So I went in and I took this course, and you know, and I'm I'm really playing dumb at this point. I'm like, wow, okay, so that's middle C, and you know, going down the coursework with everybody. And one day I was rehearsing in their practice halls that they had, and I just started playing, and I was just playing all this really fun stuff. And the instructor just so happened to be across the hallway giving a private lesson, and she busted me. And the next day in class, she pulled me aside. She gave me this, I think it was about a five-page piece, and she said, obviously, you've taken lessons. And she asked me why I was in the class, and I told her about my GPA. And she said, here, I want you to just take this. You don't have to come to class anymore. Just take it, learn it, and come show up at the end of the semester for your recital. And it was either a pass or fail deal. So if I played the piece well, I passed. And if I didn't, I would fail. So I passed, and um, I, I tried to do it again the, the next month. I was like, well, I'll just take beginning piano, too. <laughs> and that's when she said, well, I'll let you take the class, but you have to become a music major. And that was a completely different world for me because I was like, wow, you can actually major in music? And I had no clue. Oh, really? Oh, yeah, so immediately I said, you have a deal. <laughs> Uh, yeah, why did I why did I even go to biology? Why, what's this biology crap? I'm going. Yeah, it's, there's a music program here, yeah, and it's a, and it's yeah. I mean it's a pretty good I mean it's a pretty good music program at Texas A&M, correct? Oh, they have a wonderful program yeah. there, and yeah. um, you know I actually just thought at the time when I was switching my major that it was just instrumental, you know, either piano or or specializing in an instrument. Of course, I played flute in high school and, and junior high, so it's like okay, you know, well, I can do piano and flute, and then when I found out they actually had a voice major, I was like, "Oh my goodness!" I was really in heaven at that point. Oh, there you go. So, so those are the, I was going to ask. Those are the two instruments you know how to play: flute and um, a piano. Do you have you also taught yourself guitar over the years? No, I've never been able to teach myself guitar. I actually have really fat fingers, okay. and that has really deterred me from really being able to comfortably even begin to learn. Okay, okay. Well, those are two. Maybe one day. One day. Let's listen to another song um, from Love Me Alone. Uh, They're they're all covers on this album. How'd you go about choosing the music? Um, Well, it's it's pretty interesting. Um, I have my agent in Europe, and he was just submitting all these different songs. We talked about putting a blues album together, and um, you know, and it wound up actually being a little mix of, of you know, some of my favorites. Um, out of the music he sent, I really just fell in love with the lyrics. I'm, I'm a lyricist first and foremost, and so when I listen to a song, it's like what message is being portrayed in that song. So a lot of them, I, it was really just the message. What was the message that you got from Joyce Harrison's Can't Take the Mud Out? <laughs> Can't Take the Mud Out. Well... You know, I just love the analogy in that. It really is just like a relationship. If you have a person who is cheating on you, whether girlfriend, boyfriend, or whatever, I mean, Mm -hmm. you expect them to change. They're not. You can't. It's like that Mississippi mud. No matter how much you get it in your clothes, you try and scrub it out, it's not coming out. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was just like, wow. Yeah, yeah. That was just just a very – the first time I heard that song, I was like, yes, we're doing that song. 
it's uh, the album is uh, Love Me Alone, Hills of Lamas, and you can't take the mud out. be a member of the Blues Foundation. If you're not, you need to go to www.blues.org today and become a member. Your sponsorship dollars help the Blues Foundation support Blues in Schools programs, bringing the blues to schools around the country. The Heart Fund, which assists blues musicians and their families in financial need. The Sound Healthcare Program, providing medical benefits and insurance programs to professionals in the blues community. The holding of the International Blues Challenge and the Blues Music Awards. 
Generation Blues, giving scholarships to young men and women so that they can study their instruments and become more proficient. And the building of the Blues Hall of Fame at their headquarters here in Memphis at 421 South Main Street. It's time to help raise the roof. So if you love the blues, help support the organization that is keeping this great art form alive. The Blues Foundation at www.blues.org. Let's all help raise the roof. Blues on the couch with Vinnie Marini. Hey, this is Bruce Andrews. And George Dudley with Two Blue and the Lucky Stiffs. And you're listening to Music on the Couch with Vinny Marini, y'all. Yeah, thanks for correcting that all, Bruce, you know. Uh, I want to show love to those on the album. Um, uh, Hilda's on all vocals, Mike Gregory on keyboards, Jesse Flores and John Liberto on guitars, Tom Ingle on bass and Ernest Ruiz on drums and percussion. It was recorded at Hacienda Recording Studio, produced by Ernest Ruiz, Mike Gregory, and Hilda Lamas, uh, engineered by Hilda Lamas and Rick Garcia, and it's on Hacienda Records. Um, I, I know you saw one comment in the in the chat room, Hilda, but uh, does, uh, does the song mean that you uh, had a boyfriend who was a cheater? Is that one of the reasons you wanted to pick it? Um, actually, I've had several boyfriends who were cheaters. <laughs> well, those knuckleheads. <laughs> oh, uh, yeah. Boy. Yeah, well, yeah, we've all had those, um, believe me. Um, so now you, you swap majors. Um, now, you're studying during the day. Did you did you go out and do anything at, at night in any of the local clubs? Did you go out singing and, and working your uh, instrument? Well, around that time, I actually started doing karaoke and going to the karaoke bars. And um, interesting, I mean, I ran across one gentleman one night, and of course, you know, it's, it's a bar, so you're going to, you know, meet certain people that are pretty intoxicated. And this gentleman was. But he mm-hmm. says, hey, um, I'm recording an album tomorrow, and I want you to come sing on it. And, of course, my first thought is like, wow, really, a recording studio? And then, of course, you know, your safety function kicks in, and you're just like, yeah, he's kind of drunk. Well, I wound up the next morning going, and and it was pretty funny because it was Hacienda Records. And I walked in there, and this guy's name was Ricky G. And so I walk in the studio and said, yeah, I'm here to see Ricky G. Well, one of the producers, his name is Rick Garcia. So they automatically assumed I was talking about him. Oh, okay. Yeah, so he comes in weren't. and no, I, I wasn't. I was talking about some, you know, the the drunk guy that I met at the bar. <laughs> so finally, both of them are there, both the producer and the drunk guy, and and you know, of course, this drunk guy is trying to sell the producer. Hey, you know, this girl, she can really sing, and you know, this whole nine yards. And of course, you know, you hear that all the time in the music business. And um, I I don't know what he heard because I don't I don't really remember too much of that day. But you know he was just like no you know he's like I saw something and I said let's work together and so I started doing studio work at that point um, just for different songwriters who would come in and need a demo cut and I would just sing their demos and I probably did that for about a year and then I got a call I was working at a convenience store while going to college at the same time and. I got a call from from Rick, the producer, and and he says, hey, there's a band here, and they're looking for a singer. I need you to come down here and audition. I think you'd be a good fit. 
And I was like, yeah, sure, okay. And and I remember I was still recovering um, from strep throat. So I didn't have all my voice, but I was like, I'm going. So I left work and I auditioned and, you know, they hired me on the spot. And it was really great. And I performed with them for probably about a year and a half. And at this point, I had never really... I never really knew too much about the blues. Mm-hmm. Uh, at this point, I was more into, you know, your Christina Aguilera, your Britney Spears, and I was, you know, into that whole pop phase. And one of the guys that was sharing the bill with me, his name was Rocky Benton, and he was, you know, known around the area for just, I mean, killer blues. Mm-hmm. Awesome harmonica player. And so being on the road with him, that's where I really got my education in the blues. So you joined him. You joined him. This first band that you joined, they, they were a cover band, right? They, they, that was the yes. was that the cover band that you you were playing with, right? Um, and uh, you you left them to join him and uh, start uh, start your road down the blues highway. Yeah, pretty, pretty much. Because shortly after that, um, after that little stint for about a year and a half, I just kind of ventured out on my own, and I actually did Latin rock for a while. And, um, I, I, you know, I guess you can say it was self-discovery, and, and I wound up coming back to, you know, the soul and the blues, and it's just, you know, you, you feel things differently, and I, I was just like, wow, you know, I really feel it when I sing it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so my mind was pretty much made up at that point. I was like, okay, this is the direction I'm going. And you were the first blues artist signed to the uh, Hacienda Records, uh, which is with mainly a Latin label. Um but I, I also noticed that your first single was released with a, a Spanish title. Yeah. Or that yeah, was, yeah. That first album that I did, Latina Soul, it was really, I, at that point, I didn't know what direction I wanted to go. So we did a little bit of Latin rock, some pop, well, but even, some R&B. Yeah, okay. What was uh, Que Guapo Estes? That's actually a version, a, a Spanish version of All Right Now. That um, old free song. Okay, okay. Um, my Spanish is is is, is less than zero, um, and and I, and 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 Google Translate is is less than zero zero because it was something totally <laughs> different than that. <laughs> uh, well, but it's, it's pretty interesting because you know in Spanish it doesn't translate directly in English and vice versa. Mhm. Mhm. Yeah. So and uh, I had to learn that too. I mean, my Spanish is not great either. <laughs> uh, so that was, uh, I guess, around 2004 when you signed with them, um, uh, and 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 you did that first single, and then in 2006 uh, you opened for Latin Grammy winner uh, Little Joe and La Familia, uh, and you were also nominated for Best New Female Tejana Artist. Um, so this is the point where you were doing the, uh, where you talked about doing the rock. Um, the Latin rock? Yeah, and I, I mean, basically the way the, the easiest way to describe it is we were just throwing spaghetti at the wall to see what was going to stick. Okay. You know, trying to find my, my niche, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And and it was all fun. I, I had so much fun doing the Latin rock, and, you know, but ultimately, you know, my heart wasn't really in it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and um, so... When yeah, so talking, I just wound up, you know, yeah. going to um to, to blues and soul. Um, when you talk about you know we were throwing, is that you and Rick Garcia from Hacienda Records? When you're talking about that, yeah. uh, or mm-hmm. and and now the band that's on the album with you, um, uh, people we mentioned, is that your regular band uh, that you play with when you're out out uh, doing gigs? Yes, 
the same guys we use in the studio. That's my live band, so you'll see them okay. on stage. And and it's, it's really awesome because, you know, you get all of the minds together, meeting of the minds, and it's mm-hmm. amazing what these guys come up with. Um, yeah, um, our Garcia VP asks, are you the girl I saw in San Antonio the night it rained? It was called Fiesta. Was that you? Yes, that was a very interesting night. Um, thank you for coming out to the show. <laughs> okay, yeah, my bro- my brother lives in uh, San Antonio. Uh, so uh, yeah, yeah, no, that, yeah, it was I, pretty interesting. <laughs> was it was it really bad weather? Well, it was it was awesome weather the whole entire day, and and as soon as we finished our set, and you know we we were opening for the headliner Liberty Band that night, and as soon as we finished, mm-hmm. it just started pouring down rain. And we got stuck on the stage for probably about an hour and a half after the show just because all our equipment was up there and there was no cover, no way to actually load up our equipment and take it to our cars because our cars were like two blocks away. Mm. So it was a pretty interesting night. Yeah, it sounds like it. <laughs> um, what What is flower power? Flower power. Oh, goodness. That was an awesome show. It was a Broadway show but it was actually okay. off-Broadway um, that was touring, and um, they just did a whole throwback of, of the 60s. It was just a lot of Motown music, and they did, like, a little musical with it. And um, they debuted it right here in Corpus Christi. Um, and I had the wonderful honor of getting to actually open for them, be their opening act. It was, it was awesome. Okay, okay. Yeah, it's just like, I I couldn't figure out what exactly it was. I saw that notation and it was like, oh, I got to ask that question. Uh, and, that's, and then uh, you also uh, received uh, the next year a nomination from uh, the Tejano Music Industry Awards for Rising Female Star. Uh, so you were still uh, still throwing that spaghetti at that point. Um, yes. 2009 Latina Soul came out, which you had mentioned a little bit ago. And uh it, yeah, you you know you did some songs in Spanish, some songs in English, uh, and it, and it had four originals on it, uh, which I thought was interesting. Um, uh, talk about that time in your life a little bit more. You know, I mean, was it was it? Did you get frustrated at times? Oh my goodness, all the time. I mean, I was signed to the label around two thousand four, two thousand five, and the first album didn't come out to two thousand and nine. So for that four or five years, we were really just saying, okay, what direction do we go Do we go in? We were releasing singles and just really trying to find our way. It was, it was, it was frustrating, very frustrating. And, but you, uh, you, but know, you stuck together. Yes, yes. And, you know, and, you know, during that time, it, it was pretty interesting for me personally at, at the same time because at that point, I decided, okay, you know what, I'm not having fun in school, even though I was a music major. Mm-hmm. So I actually said, you know what, I'm going to take a break from school. And so I had taken my break from school. I was focusing on music. I was working a day job, and I was not even able to meet my bills. I mean, this was reality sinking in, and, I mean, it got so bad. I was living in an apartment with no electricity, eating green beans for weeks. Mm. And, um, you know, I, I remember just the, the talks I would have with all my friends. It's like, you know, something's going to happen, and, and it's just, it's, you know, and I'll know it's going to take off. It's going to be, you know, it's going to be a success. And I wasn't looking at being number one or anything like that. It was just a, I want to make music my life. Mm-hmm. And um, 
So, you know, finally, there was a little point there I actually did put music on hold for probably about six months. And I was like, okay, you know what, let's just get up on my feet, um, switch jobs, started getting it together, and then delved right back into the music. And, and really, it just happened so naturally, so naturally. And that's when I started writing. That's where the original started coming from. And it was just based on my emotions at the time. I was just like, okay. And um, I don't know. It was it was just very interesting. There was just so many trials during that period. Yeah. That yeah. by the time the album actually came out, it, it was just almost like a sigh of relief. It's like, wow, we got it done. You know, because at that point, it's really just become a checkoff. You know, lots of things to do on your checkoff list. You're like, mm-hmm. okay, we got to sure. finish it. Yeah, yeah, and, that's, and that shouldn't be on one of those lists. It's too exactly. important to be on one of those lists. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so that was 2009, and uh, now you've got uh, Love Me Alone just came out in March, um, and uh, it seems to have gotten some notice. And uh, it's, uh, you know, you, you've gone, you've decided to do the blues. Now are you starting to write so that uh, you can start doing some originals uh, in the blues? Yes, Actually now, um, you know, me and my keyboardist, Mike Gregory, we've been toying around with some ideas, and of course other guys in the band have also, you know, started their creative juices flowing, and um, you know, we've started to write some stuff. Um, hopefully we'll be hitting the studio again in August, September, and just start, you know, plowing away at another one, and um, make it a little bit more personal. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so so we're really excited about that. We've we've written some really killer stuff, I think, of course. You know, I think my band is like the best in the world. Um just awesome And you music. and you be, and you're better. And you're better. <laughs> oh, you're so sweet. Yeah. Um, um but you know, it's awesome to be in their company. All of my guys in the band, um, we have a humongous age difference. There's probably about a twenty five, thirty year gap. Mm-hmm. Um, so they all have road experience and studio experience and their stories and their wisdom is just amazing. Um, just because they've already been there. Sure. Sure. Well, that's good. And, and you've gotten a chance to share the stage with some, uh, pretty big names in the blues. Um, I know that you've, uh, done it with Nick Moss a number of times. I think you it's coming up again, or did it just happen that you, you performed with Nick again? Well, actually, that got canceled just last oh, okay. weekend. Um, okay. We had horrible rainstorms, and so they actually had to reschedule him for November. Oh, okay. So we um, we actually wound up on the bill with Eric Tesmer from Austin, okay. Texas, mm-hmm. and he's a phenomenal guitarist. Cool, cool. Um, so you you do have a day job that keeps the roof over your head now, uh, still, obviously, like anybody who wants to play the blues. Um you know, needs to Actually, do. You know, I'm 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 pretty blessed. I do not have a day job. Oh. Um. So music is just what I do full time. So it's like it's it's cool when I can tell my mom's like, no, I just have gigs this weekend, and you know, it's it's it's, it's really cool. Well, but you do okay now. Okay, yeah. But folks, she also spends a lot of time volunteering her time. She does a lot of charity affairs where she. You know, does the band goes and does charity affairs for you know for nothing. Uh, and you're also involved in big sister programs still. Yes, I have a little sister. She's so awesome. Her name is Graciela, and um, we you know we hang out. You know, we have um, you know little spots that we like to do. We like the movies, and of course, we love ice cream. Love it. <laughs> Who doesn't? <laughs> um, and, and um, yeah. 
cool. You know, and That's... so, you know, she's just, she's just awesome. And I would recommend that to anybody who has, you know, anywhere from four to eight hours available a month, you know, hey, you know, go and volunteer and be a big brother, be a big sister, because it really makes a big impact in a child's life. Yeah. And last year you were named Ambassador of the Year by the Corpus Christi Hispanic Chamber of Commerce. Uh, in be- uh, okay. It's not ambassador. It's the Spanish word for ambassador of the year she was named, and I'm not going to even try to pronounce it. Um, you can say it for us. Go ahead. Embajador. 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 Okay. Embajador of the year. Uh, that's a big, pretty big honor. So, I mean, that had to be uh, something special in your heart when you got when you found out about that. Um, well, I, I actually cried when I found out. It was it's oh. truly a, a big honor and very humbling at the same time. Um, you know, being an ambassador, you go and you represent the Hispanic Chamber or even just any chamber. They've, they've got ambassadors and bajadores, and you're just really active. You're, you're there to serve the people and the organization. And, mm-hmm. you know, with the chambers, they are so involved in the community. At least I, I know ours are. And so it really is a very humbling experience because you meet people from all walks of life and um, a lot of people that you don't even think you'd be in the same room with, but they're yeah. there for the same purpose, whether it's to serve the community or, um, you know, just to help out in one organization or another. It's, it's, it's really awesome. It's a truly awesome experience. I can't even put into words how incredible it has been to be a member of the Hispanic Chamber. That's very cool that you're involved in that way. Um, uh, another question from our friend from San Antonio in the chat room. Uh, his friend Fernando said he wrote a song with you. Yes. <laughs> okay. Oh, the big phrase. Um, okay. That's actually from my first album, Latina Soul. Okay. And that one was called Touch Me. And okay. that was pretty interesting. That was my very first co-write ever. And he had brought in the song, and um, he said, yeah, you know, I just need someone to sing it. But the way he wrote it was a guy singing it to a girl. Mm-hmm. And, and it was just, you know, basically this guy is telling this girl, I really want to touch you. And I'm just like, uh, I don't think I'm going to sing those words. <laughs> I was like, I'm a girl. Girls don't talk like that. And um, so he said, well, you know, write it for you. He's like, if you're going to sing it, write it from your perspective. So I was like, okay. And I, I can be pretty feisty at times, and I know a lot of us women can be. Sure. And so um, I kept the title of the song, Touch Me. And instead of, baby, you know that I want to touch you, I changed it to, baby, I know that you want to touch me. Mm-hmm. And it was just like a whole total play on words and just teasing and and. It was a really fun song to co-write. It was, it was really fun to record, too. There you go. Cool. What are you looking forward to most this summer? Um, getting on the road. Um, we've got some pretty big things in the fire right now, and, you know, we just want to get out there and, and meet the people and, and perform for everybody and all this wonderful music that, you know, we've been honored to record. So, uh, Something that you can tell us about in the fire, things in the fire, or do we need to keep looking at uh, – HildaLamas.com and and wait for the announcements. Yes, unfortunately, we'll have to keep looking at the website. Mom is the word right now. Um, But, of course, we will be hitting the studio again um, later on in the the summer, early fall. 
And so hopefully we'll have a new one out soon. Hopefully, God willing, maybe even Christmas time. Well, great, great. We'll just have to, you know, make sure that you you remember to, you know, reach out to me and let me know so we can uh, put it put it here on the couch and, you know, maybe play it before anybody else gets to hear it. You know, that would be cool. Oh, definitely. Uh, we can take yeah. it right here with you. Absolutely. That'd be great. Uh, all things Hilda Lamas can be found at www.hildalamas.com, H-I-L-D-A-L-A-M-A-S. Um, she and the band are playing in Corpus Christi this weekend. Um, they're playing the It'll Do Saloon on the 24th and the Blue Marlin on the 25th. Uh, so if you're uh, in the Corpus Christi area, you can go check them out, and uh, uh, again, you know, go over to the website, and uh, you can you can uh, find the find the album Love Me Alone, and uh, you can also find the first album Latina Soul. Uh, we're gonna play one last song from Love Me Alone. Tell us how you selected I'll Be Gone. <laughs> um, again, the storyline on that song is just like wow. Um, you know, girl meets guy and, and they're in a relationship. It's not working and hey, I'm out the door. I'm done. Mm-hmm. And um so it's just you know, it's just one of those really awesome songs. Um do you know when you're gonna be back in San Antonio again? Um, we've got some things in the works right now. Um I don't have an exact date at this time, but we are in okay. negotiations with some more dates. Cool. Check the website. I'm going to have to let my brother know when I find out you're in San Antonio because he lives down there. Uh, I'll have to let him know so he gets out to see you. Uh, that'd be very cool. Yeah. Uh, thank you, Hilda. So much success to you. Um, and and I hope you know you get uh, Memphis way at some point, and uh, I can get to meet you in person and see you fly. Yeah, that would be wonderful. And thank you so much for having me on the show. Thank you. From uh, Love Me Alone. This is I'll Be Gone. <laughs>
Thomas off the Love Me Alone album, and I'll be gone. Love barbecue and blues? Then you need to get to Owatonna, Minnesota on May 31st and June 1st for Smokin' and Steel. Sponsored by the Knights of Columbus Council 945 in support of the Special Olympics, the Kansas City Barbecue Society's sanctioned barbecue competition comes with $10,000 in prizes. Plus, there's a barbecue competition for the kids, a 5K run, on-site camping, and much more, all for free. And on the Beer Garden stage, you can enjoy the music of Rusty Wright Band, the Annie Mack Band, Johnny Neal, the Kelly Ritchie Band, and eight other blues acts for only $10 in advance. Check out all the details and buy your advance tickets for Smokin' and Steel on May 31st and June 1st in Owatonna, Minnesota at www.smokinandsteel.com. That's S-M-O-K-I-N-I-N-S-T-E-E-L-E.com. The long, tall Deb has been hailed as a powerhouse blues and soul vocalist with a skill for writing songs that connect with the audience. On her latest release, Raise Your Hands, she proves that and so much more. It's a collection of ten originals and two covers. Raise Your Hands is out on Viztone label, and it's available at www.longtalldeb.com. Uh, now I'm going to welcome my next guest. He's known as the guitar player's guitar player, and he hails from Columbus, Ohio, and his name is Patrick McLaughlin. Uh, evening, Patrick, and thanks for taking a seat on the couch. Hey, thank you. Good, cool. Uh, Patrick, where were you raised? In Columbus. In Columbus. Okay, so hometown uh-huh. boy. Um, and as a small boy, what kind of music did your parents play in your home? Uh, well, my, my grandparents on both sides of my family played music. Um, on one hand, uh, my grandparents had a 50s and 60s uh, review band. Ah. For many years, and then on the other hand, my grandparents played bluegrass. <laughs> so you had it from both sides. And your parents were they involved in music at all? Not, not, not so much. No, uh, my generation. mom played a little bit of piano, but uh, skipped a generation, I guess. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, do you remember? As a, I mean, going back to when you were a small boy, do you remember? Was there a song that you know? came on the radio and all of a sudden you stopped and you went, whoa. And it kind of made you realize this is music. I don't think that I have a particular song, um, but I listened to the radio like crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, and I loved everything pretty much that I heard um, from when I was small and still now too. Well, what kind of things were you listening to back then? I mean, what, you know, when well, you said then, the radio. I, I was around all of the fifties and sixties music. Mm-hmm. All at, like at the same time as things that that were out, right? And you, you know, like classic rock stations, like the Jimi Hendrix stuff, or or the Led Zeppelin, sure. All the way through the '90s, you know, like Nirvana and you know things like that, things that were, that were popular, right? Yep, yep. Um, let's check out a song from the uh, from the your self titled album. Uh, talk about which way to go. This uh, you wrote with uh, your bassist Molly Young. Um, yeah. Talk, talk about which way to go. Well, which way to go is kind of one of those songs about um, being in a place in your life where you don't know what the next move is. Simple as that. And huh? uh, yeah, you know, it's a real cool song. It's a real catchy yeah. song, and people Absolutely. really like it. Patrick McLaughlin and uh, which way to go. Which way to go? 
Sonny Rock, the master of disaster, host of the Local Licks radio program on WRIP 97.9 in beautiful upstate New York. You're listening to the man, the myth, the mystery, Mr. Vinny Marini, music on the couch. And that was uh, Which Way to Go. I don't know which way to go, which way to go uh, from Pat, uh, Patrick McLaughlin off of uh, his self-titled album. And um, there we go. I'm going to press his button, too. Uh, Patrick, at what age did you begin playing your first instrument, and was it a guitar? No, it wasn't. Um, when I was about three years old, I had piano lessons for, for a little while. And I didn't get into guitar until I was probably about, you know, five, six, seven year, years old. Okay. So the piano you said for a little while, was that just a, you know, a year, two years, just not a lot of time to really, uh, maybe, maybe, maybe. Yeah. um, did you, you know, not, not very long. Did you retain any of it? Can you play the piano today? Uh, some of it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I wouldn't call myself a piano player by any means. But, <laughs> I mean, I so, can play chords and, you know, play lay, lay, licks and stuff like that, but it, you know, it's hard to put it all together. <laughs> sure, sure. So now, uh, guitar came into your life. You said about five years old. How did that happen? Well, um, as I said, my grandfather played bluegrass music, mm-hmm. okay. and um, so so we always had a couple guitars around. So um, eventually, eventually, one ended his. up in your hand. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. well, I couldn't stop mess- messing with him, so <laughs> he he eventually. Taught me a few things, and and I was taught, you know, quite a few things by both sides of my family, you know, especially with guitar. Right, right, sure. So uh, you were getting lessons from there. So there, there wasn't any need for any outside lesson. You had all the teachers you needed right there. Uh, right, right. Under your but own. But I did roof. have some 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 lessons from lo- from local guitar shops and things like that okay. too. Um, until I was probably about you know twelve or thirteen year, years old. Now, when you were, you know, now as you're not eight, nine, ten, eleven, what what kind of music were you, you know, what kind of music were you starting to find yourself listening to? I had listened to everything. Um, my aunt had a, sele- a selection of cassette tapes. You know, to that it was, it was kind of like a library. You know, she mm-hmm. had everything from A A A C D C to you know, heavy metal bands, and, and then I had all the bluegrass stuff, and then I had all the 50s, 60s soul music, you know, Stax music. I had Elvis. I had Buddy Holly. Uh, I mean, I, I really listened to everything and, and was wow. and, and, and took it all to heart, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, as you got uh, a little bit older, you know, 14, 15, did you start uh, playing with your friends in garage bands? Uh, oh sure, yeah, sure. yeah. What, 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 what were you guys playing back then? Uh, we were playing what, what, what was popular, you know, rock, rock songs, classic rock songs, uh, mm-hmm. a couple blues songs here and there. Now, you know, uh, yeah, you graduated high school. What was next for you? I went on the road uh, with the band called Richard Bowles and and the Souls. Okay, so that's where they came. Okay, I wasn't sure at what point they came into your life. Uh, how old were you when you joined them? I joined when I was 17, and we hit the road short, shortly after. I, I was just about to turn 18. Okay. And, I, okay. you know, Richard Bowles was in my grandparents' band when I, when I was younger. Too, uh-huh. So I, I kind of had a family connection. Okay, okay. So that, that's, how you got together, that's how you got together with them? Yeah. Yeah. Now, uh, what kind of music? What kind of music was he making? 
he was playing blues. It was and blues, was writing, okay. Yeah, writing music and, and, and writing songs and, you know, self-promoting uh, himself. And we did, I think that I did three or four records with him. Uh, well, 1998, yeah, 1998, yeah. pieces of pieces of the eclipse uh, uh-huh. was your first album, uh, and then uh, three more, 1999 on a different path, 2000 uh-huh. access denied, and then 2001 live at the Dolphin. Yes, uh, yeah, that so the band, the band was pretty prolific. Um, you know, in terms of in terms of music, uh, you know, uh, and 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 releasing music. Were you involved in any of the writing back then? No, I wasn't then. Um, no. No, we would go and 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 rehearse the songs and and go in the studio and then do them. Um, but Rick was pretty on it then. You know, he had a lot to say, so mm-hmm. he you know he he wrote a lot of songs. Yeah, I I, I would I would say so. What kind of what kind of time was was that on the road? What, where were you going? How were you traveling? Uh, what were you learning? Well, we we traveled by van and we traveled by RV for a little while. Um, we would play probably about two to two hundred and fifty dates a year. Um, we spent a lot of time in Denver. We spent a lot of time in Mexico and Florida. You know, playing quite 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 a few of the road rooms. Mm-hmm. And um, mm-hmm. you know, so supporting his CDs. Right. And uh, for me, uh, the biggest thing to learn was what to do and what not to do in those situations. You know, living in a van with a lot of people and, yeah. uh, you know, learning how to be part of uh, of the rhythm section was huge. Mm-hmm. Is that, yeah, I took is... quite, quite a bit from that. Now, when you talk about uh, the good and the bad, learning what to do, uh, uh What's the bad part? Uh, well, you know, just basic traveling things. You know, don't 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 leave your trash around. Uh, you mm-hmm. know, just learning how to live with with people away with from people. home. You know, yeah, yeah. being young. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Be, being, being a young guy <laughs> with uh, a bunch of forty-five-year-old, forty-seven-year-old guys, then, and uh, you know, just learning how to be around. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's listen to another tune from the album. Um, this is uh, talk about "Burn a Little Brighter." This is uh, one of the ones that you wrote by yourself. Yeah, um, that song I I, I wrote uh, for Molly Young, who was the bass player for for the band, and yeah. your fiance. And, and correct. Yeah, uh, that was the first song that I wrote for her. Oh, okay, okay. Um, well, yeah. On which came first, the chicken or the egg? I mean, I guess was she your bass player before? No, no. I, I I met Molly at a place called the Blue Station, uh, which is no longer around. Um, but it was a kind of a road room for Columbus, um, Tinsley Ellis, and people like like that would come through. And I was running a jam session every Tuesday night. Uh-huh. And she happened to come into Columbus and and play for for the jam session. Oh, okay, okay. So that's so. And that's so, how we met. And that's how you met. And uh, uh-huh. okay, okay, cool. Well, uh, um, <laughs> now you know George. Do you know George Dudley? George. Dudley. Two. Not only George Dudley. 
Okay, well, that's funny. He just he wrote, he wrote a com- okay he wrote a, okay it was just your comment in the in the chat room like you like you knew Patrick was going to start to tell stories George um sorry he, he was George is in a band called Two Blue and the Lucky Stiffs they're out of Birmingham Alabama area um uh-huh. and uh, yeah I, I oh okay he's he was talking to Molly I get it I, see I have to stop looking in the chat room when George is in the chat room because <laughs> it distracts me Patrick McLaughlin and burn a little brighter.
Snyder, Patrick McLaughlin. Uh, Patrick is on guitar and vocals. Uh, Molly Young is on bass. And uh, Chris White on drums. Uh, Molly kicks butt on that bass, man. She just plays it hard. Uh, the album was produced by Patrick and B.J. Davis and recorded at Sonic Lounge Studios in Grove City, Ohio. Uh, B.J. Davis and Joe Veers were recording engineers, and the album is on Bolt Records. Um, yeah, you know, you're welcome. Um, Molly just said thanks in the chat room. Uh, you were co-producer um, on the album S- Songs of Men and Other Pastimes by Kathy Wolf and the Wolfhound in 2002. Was that your first production credit? Uh, yeah, yes, it was. Uh-huh. Um, how, how did you end up become? How did you end up producing? You you also played on the album, correct? Yes, I did. Um, yeah, well, okay. I was in that group, um, and okay. that was after my my run with with the Souls. Mm-hmm. Um, and I picked up some gigs with with Kathy, and and we kind of stuck with it for a while. Um, this was just before I had started my own group, right? And um, so we went to do the CD and. It, and I, I love the, the the recording studio, and I like being in, in there and and being creative, and and I think that's that's how I got my credit for that. Oh, okay, okay. Now, um, how long were you with her? Because there's there's a there's a gap in the recording history from 2002 to 2008. Um, right. How long were you with Kathy um, uh, before you started your own band? I was with Kathy probably. Uh, maybe a year or two okay. tops, mm-hmm. and during that time, I, I I was starting my own group, you know, side by side with Kathy's band. Right. Okay. Okay. And playing the Columbus area mainly. Yes. Okay. Okay. Um, your next recording credit comes uh, from one of my couch kids, Sean Carney. Uh, Blues for a Cure Christmas release. Uh, he did make note on Facebook when he saw that you were a guest. He was. Uh, he sent a little thing like, you know, very cool uh, to me saying that, uh, you know, I booked you. Uh, so, um, you know. Well, Sean, uh, Sean's a good friend of mine. So, yeah. yeah. How, how, a great guy you, and a great musician. Yeah. How long have you guys been uh, known each other and been friends? When did you, how did you meet? I mean, Columbus isn't um, that big, so. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm not sure exactly the first time we met, um, but, you know, it's been at least 10 years, you know, mm-hmm. that I've known him. Yeah, you know, same circles and things like that. Yeah, I mean, I, Columbus is—I didn't mean to say Columbus is a small, you know, is, is a small town, but the blues community within Columbus, uh, no matter how big a city is, the blues community is always much smaller than the city. <laughs> yeah, right, right, right. <laughs> so you know, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta walk in the same uh, in the same circles. Um, uh, you also appeared with Long Tall Deb and the Drifter Kings, uh, uh, Diamonds on a Desert Floor. Um, and that was uh, one of the, her album was nominated uh, best self-produced CD. You covered a couple of songs on that album. Uh, talk about uh, working with Deb and and uh, working on Desert Floor. Um, well, I didn't work on De- De- Desert Floor personally. Um, when I was starting my own group back in probably 2002 and 2003, Deb was in my my band, and and we were writing songs then. Um, okay. We, we had a five-piece band. Okay. And so some of those songs that that she's released are, you know, are versions of songs that that we had written, and and we're working on recording. Okay. Okay. I, yeah. That's. I guess I just misinterpreted what I was finding, you know, on various uh, 
pieces of information. Um, so, how long did Deb? How long was Deb in your band? Um, probably about six or seven years. Oh, okay, okay, yeah, she's uh, she's also a couch kid. She was just here a couple of weeks ago. Um, your current lineup has been together for how long? You and I would say probably about three or four years now, or maybe, three, maybe yeah. five. Yeah, time flies. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, uh, do you have a day job that uh, helps you to pay the bills? Right, right now, yeah, yeah. And I work for a music store in Columbus, okay. Music Go Round. Okay. And, uh, and do uh, do any lessons do at all? Monday through. Um. Yes. Yes. Okay. One 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 day a week. I I, I do teach guitar. Oh, cool. Cool. Um. How often can you and the band get out on the road, and how often do you? I I get out um, probably two or three times a year, or at least that, that that's what we try to do. Um, we we just came back from Florida. Uh, we we played probably three three to five dates in Florida last month. You know we're going to be in Texas for the Navasota Blues Festival in August on okay. on the tenth. And uh, we will be stopping in Memphis. Uh, Molly's a Memphis girl. Oh, she's a Memphian. We kind of, yeah, yeah. Oh, so we okay. have a home base down, down, down there. Oh, and, um, okay. So we're hoping to get some gigs in Memphis while we're there too. So we're working on on that right now. Oh, cool, cool. Okay. Well, I'm the. Um, I moved here seven years ago, so. Uh, yeah, that that that'd be very cool. So we're talking midsummer for that. Um, that's mm-hmm. uh, that's great. Um, your your website. I just want to. I'm a. I've got a little bugaboo about these things, Patrick. It's okay. there's some problems with it. It's it's like it, I've had some problems reaching it, and then I get there, but not all of it's there. And well, right. So we've been dealing with this today, and uh, we 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 have just changed hosting. Okay. For the website, so we have okay. all all the bugs to iron out for that. Um, but but it should be running and up. Within a day or two. Okay, yeah, I'm about. I'm, I'm actually in the middle of sort of a rebuild on mine, and I'm I'm afraid I'm going to get to that point too, and people are going to start yelling at me because I always give people crap when I can't get to their websites, uh, so everybody will have a chance to come at me when mine when mine isn't exactly all there. <laughs> <laughs> but prior to that, I mean, mine ran good, smooth, you know, it, it yeah, ran just yeah. just fine. So yeah, 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 yeah. Day um, or two, people. Yeah, there you go. Uh, talk about your writing style. Um, do you do you have a lot of uh, little bits and pieces of songs, little pieces of paper, let's say, um, uh, all around at all times, or are you kind of a one song at a time kind of guy? I kind of do that uh, for certain things, you know, little scraps of thoughts, um, you know, the the ideas, um, and then I kind of put them t- together, um, and then some 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 of the songs. Uh, they write themselves, you know, and they're really fast. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's different, you know. I don't write the the same way like every time. Do, do you because I guess I associate you more with guitar. Do you start with the music, or does that also not matter? Um, well, with this record, um, sometimes it was the melody. Mm-hmm. Um, Sometimes maybe it would be one line that stands out, and then and then, and then you write around that. And then like "Burn a Little Brighter" started with the uh, uh, guitar lick, um, 
Mm-hmm. And I wrote okay. around with yeah. the guitar for that one. Right. Um, so every one's a little bit different, and it took a little bit of a different style for each song. Uh, are you more comfortable writing alone or with a partner? I think that I'm more comfortable write, writing by myself, um, but I love to write with other people too because you tend to write things that you wouldn't think of. Mm-hmm. And that goes both ways for, for writers. You know, the ideas can bounce off and you can get stuck on something. And then that other person can sometimes pull it out, out of you and mm-hmm. vice versa. Yeah, yeah. Um, how many guitars do you own, Patrick? Oh, man, that, you asked me too, too fast. Uh, <laughs> hang on. I need to count. <laughs> uh, one, two, three, four, five, five, five or six right now. Five or six. Uh, I've had more them? and less, but. Do you play them all? Five or six. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I do. Okay. Um, do when you go out on the road, do you only take a couple or do you take all of them? I generally take um, two or three. Um, two, two, two of my main guitars, and then I have a guitar set up for slide, um, and that's a G and L guitar that I've had since I was probably fourteen. Mm, and, okay. and the reason I set it up for slide is I, is I ruined the frets in it, and then I never got it refretted. So I just hike the strings up a little bit and tune it different and, and play slide. There you go. It's a repurpose, yeah. people. That's repurpose. Um, yeah. When you're not playing or working, uh, what do you do for a hobby to keep sane? To keep sane, I've been getting uh, uh, photography. You know, it's been oh, okay. my new hobby. So I'll go out and see some lo- lo- local bands and, and maybe take some pictures and learn about that. Is that uh, is that where you that's where you're focusing on the, more of a music uh, shooting shooting bands? Because I enjoy doing yeah. that also. Um, but I'll right. also go outside and do stuff outside, you know. Uh, is there a venue on your bucket list that you really hope to play someday? Um, well, I would like to play Buddy Guys. Okay. Mm. Yeah, good choice. Good and, choice. Uh, Absolutely. Rum, rum Boogie, you know, stuff like that. Okay. Yeah, well, hopefully uh, you're coming in May uh, or coming this summer, you know, hopefully, uh, you know, that can be arranged. Um, uh let me know, you know, I mean, I, I can sometimes just, you know, mention mention it to somebody so, you know, we can talk. And if there's some place you're really looking for, uh, you know, I can at least, uh, you know, see see what I can do. Can't promise sure, everything. Thank you. Uh, you know, yeah, you know, I've been able to at least hook some people up. And other times, depending on the time of the year, it doesn't work. So um, you're going to play one last song from the album. Uh, this is the one that you wrote. Uh, let's share the wealth. You wrote this one with Greg, the drummer. Um, <laughs> talk about working hard. Working hard. Um, that, w- that was a song. Uh, we were in rehearsal, um, and uh, Gary started, started singing a line. Um, I, I, don't re- I don't remember which line sp- specifically. Um, and then he played the uh, drum beat to it, and... Uh, so we ended up writing "Working Hard" together, and uh, and I happened to be playing that that slide guitar that I was talking about. Yeah, yeah. I was going to ask if that was the one you were talking about. Uh, oh yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you can find out everything about Patrick at www.patrickmclaughlin3.com. Uh, P P A T R I C K M C L A U 
G-H-L-I-N, the numeral three. And uh, uh, you can also find the band on Facebook. Um, and uh, Patrick, good luck. And, yeah, let's stay in touch, especially if you're coming to Memphis. And, uh, you know, um, love to come yeah, out and see you guys. Definitely love to come out and see you guys. That would be great. And thank thank, thank you for having me on the show. I appreciate I appreciate you coming on. I really do. Uh, Patrick McLaughlin and the uh, self-titled album, and this is Working Hard.
Patrick Falcon and uh, Working Hard from his self-titled album. Uh, music on the Couch is sponsored by Doug McLeod and his new release, There's a Time. With the 2013 Blues Music Award nomination for Acoustic Artist, a new album in hand, Doug is continuing to be held as the master of the original acoustic blues, and on There's a Time, he proves it with every note. As Tone Monkey said, something special is going on here, and as a listener, you feel part of the music. For all things Doug McLeod and to purchase There's a Time, check out www.doug-mcleod.com. Sean Murphy has performed for Motown Records and in Broadway Productions. She's appeared with Eric Clapton and Bob Seger, and she is the first lady of Little Feet. Sean has just released a brand new CD, Ask for the Moon, and it's one you have to hear. With guests like Johnny Neal from the Allman Brothers, Becca Bramlett from Fleetwood Mac, and legendary sex man Jim Horn, you know the music is hot. The CD is available on CD Baby, Amazon, iTunes, and on her website, www.seanmurphyband.com. S-H-A-U-N-M-U-R-P-H-Y-B-A-N-D.com. June 22nd at the Neighborhood Theater in Charlotte, North Carolina, join the inaugural Pam Jam. Organized and headlined by the Pam Taylor Band, this evening of music will be one you do not want to miss. Advanced sale tickets are only $20, and for that you get entertained by Moses Jones, Junk Gallery, 2013 IBC Challengers, the Casanovas, Damon Fowler, and of course, the Pam Taylor Band. Tickets will also be sold at the door for $25. Check out the venue and buy advanced tickets at www.neighborhoodtheater.com and scroll down the page to find the Pam Jam listing. Be a part of the inaugural Pam Jam June 22nd at the Neighborhood Theater in Charlotte, North Carolina. She puts a perfume on, she puts it on way too strong. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. I wish I was up closer to that to, to, to be able to get get uh, get involved with that a little bit more, but uh, um, I'm helping to promote it. And uh, So anyway, uh, finally, this evening is the time I get to introduce a man onto the couch who has been deserving of sitting here for a while, but for some reason I just kept having brain cramps. I don't know what the hell was going on in my head. Uh, and, uh, you know, finally the knucklehead woke up, and I said, R.B., you got to come on. His name is R.B. Stone. He's one hell of a musician, and welcome to the couch, sir. Hey, Vinny, thanks, man. What's happening? <laughs> Not much. Hey, R.B., where were you raised? I grew up in the Midwest. And um, born in Indiana, but they moved when I was one, so I guess most of my upbringing was in Ohio. In Ohio, okay. Um, as a small boy, what kind of music did your parents play in your home? Oh, man, everything from Harper Valley PTA to uh, Little Richard to the Beatles to, you know, in the 60s, everything. There was such a great mixture of music just on what they'd call the rock or pop stations, you know. Mm-hmm. Yep. As you remember, yep. you, sure. you got it all. You got you got Jeannie C. Riley, Ernest mm-hmm. Tubb to uh, uh, Hermits Hermits or Hermits yeah. Hermits. I suppose, <laughs> you know. yeah. yeah, Rolling Stones and the Beatles. Yeah. Uh, do, yeah. Do you, can you remember back? Was there a song when you were a kid? You know that you heard on the radio that kind of made you stop and go, "Whoa!" Did that yeah, ever happen? Every, all of them. All, well, you know, all of them. I mean, honestly, I. I just love music. I mean, my my thing 
was uh, what I look forward to every week, I think it was weekly, is getting enough allowance money that I could go buy 45s. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. my mom and dad would take me over to whatever department store it was, and I'd pick out, I'd get like one or two 45s a week. And yeah. that. And I, and I was getting, I remember getting Janice Joplin, Sly and the Family Stone. Yeah. Um, Ernest Tubb, like I said, 16 tons, what do you get, you know? Um, <laughs> down on me, I remember Janice Joplin and uh, just all that. I just loved it all. I mean, I really did. Yeah. Uh, your new album is uh, entitled Loosen Up. Uh, it's uh, your 16th album. Uh, it's got one of the bad, baddest-ass cover photos that you'll ever want to see you don't want to mess you don't want to mess with this person on the cover i'm not even sure man or woman you don't want to mess with them uh it could be it could be either i mean it really can be at one point i thought it was a woman now now i think it's a man but i'm not really sure but boy that's badass um uh tell us about the song tell us about the song bad case of blues going on i was uh sitting in my room I guess so about a year and a half ago or something fooling around with a new amp and and some different tunings and such and uh, I and I actually had been hanging out with Tab in Wall playing some harp with him, you know. And the his swamp style blues is so infectious that I went home and started fooling with some of it. And that song just started falling out. Um I think uh, I got most of it written right away and probably tuned it up shortly thereafter and i was wanting to write it with tab um and i just uh couldn't get down there to do it and i just said well that's how it goes sometimes the song won't wait you know i've tried to write one with producer tom tom hamridge that worked with me on this and i just i said tom i'm sorry man (laughs) I said, I tried saving this for you. A couple of them. I said, but he said, no. Nah. He said, you got to get it when it's coming out, you know. So when it starts downloading, I just usually, I'll try to push it away sometimes, and then it just keeps knocking. So it's got to be written. It, when, yeah, when it keeps knocking, it's got to come in. R.B. Stone from Loosen Up, and this is a bad case of blues going on.
This is Paula Harris, and you're turning on the naughty with Vinnie Marini and Music on the Couch. Sitting here with R.B. Stone. Uh, R.B., when you were about 12, your mom showed you some things on the piano, and you taught yourself uh, the Bill Withers song, Lean On Me, huh? Yeah. Yeah, that, you know, it's a pretty easy song to play with a, what a great message, you know? Yeah, yeah. Now, did you take any formal lessons after that? No, not on the piano. They they got yeah. me drum lessons for a little bit, and um, I learned the old five and seven stroke roll, and that that was about all the lessons I've ever had musically. And then when did guitar come into your life? Um, when, did that when happen during high school? No, it, it didn't. I played drums. Um, okay. Was my first thing. Well, I guess keyboard and piano just on a couple songs and. I'd bang out boogie-woogie stuff on the piano, you know. Um, but uh, the guitar came, I guess, not until I was about 22, okay, maybe, yeah. something like that. Yeah, there was a lot going on before that. And By the way, uh, George Dudley's in the chat room from uh, Two Blue and the Lucky Stiffs, and he just called that nasty. Uh, yeah, oh, the last song. 
Yeah, the last song. Yeah, yeah. And he yeah, knows that means good, nasty George. <laughs> nasty uh, in a good way. <laughs> nasty in a good way, yeah. Because um, when you graduated from high school, um, you, you hit the rails, literally. Uh, you went to work uh, on a railroad crew four days a week uh, around and doing a lot of traveling. Pretty tough job, huh? Yeah, you know, it was hard work, man. I, I blew my back out, I think, like in the first couple of weeks or months uh, just because we, we, I was running air hammers, you know, 90-pound air hammers. Hell, only weighed 140, I think, back then. And <laughs> and then we we were swinging the spike malls, literally driving spikes in and sledgehammers and and uh, picking up the angle bars that, that hold the, the rails together mm-hmm. and pitching those. Those were 70 pounds. And, I think I, I blew a disc or ruptured a disc or something, and wound up going to chiropractor at the age of eighteen. And and uh, so they've been good friends of mine for years now. But yeah, it was tough. It was physically tough. But back then, you know, we would just drink all night, you know, till the sun came up, and go to eat breakfast and work all day. You know, maybe get a little nap after work. <laughs> and uh, but I grew up kind of quick, you know. There's a lot of wild cats on there. I think I had a gun on my head the second week from one of the guys, and you know, they, they they really would test your nerve. We had all these cats from Eastern Kentucky, uh, you know, Hazard over that way. Sixty mm-hmm. of the ninety were from out of there, and they they test your nerve. But we all made up, and made friends after we got to know each other, you know. But yeah, it wasn't uh, it wasn't a Boy Scout day camp. No, no, you eventually left and. Uh... Became an assistant manager of plumbing and heating store in, in Ohio. Was that uh, did you want to go back home to where you grew up? Yeah, I did that because uh, I didn't want to mess with you know screwing my back up anymore. And it was mm-hmm. I don't know the money was actually good on the railroad, but just looking for something different. And um, it, it was like a small. They still have them. It's Carter Plumbing, Electric, and Heating, and Carter Lumber, mm-hmm. and they're mainly. There's some in Kentucky, but they're mainly Ohio, Indiana, and um, they're like small versions of Home Depot. Okay. You know, okay. So, yeah. So yeah, it was it was good for oh, me to did, get. Yeah, it was good for you. You got to end up with as, as your bio says: a house, two cars, two trucks, two motorcycles. Um, you know, the only thing to to make it com- a complete country song is if you had two dogs. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you're right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> Uh, but eventually, you know, you got you got you got empty again, didn't you? You sold everything but one of the trucks, some harps, and uh, at this point, you had started to pl- play the guitar a little bit, and you moved to Colorado. That's right. You know, I said, well, you know, here I am. Um, I had very few friends in the town I was at, and I said, I've got everything materialistically I can think of at the age of whatever it was, twenty-two, twenty-three. Yeah, it wasn't happening. I said, well, hell, I can be I can be unhappy somewhere a lot prettier than here. So I went, I've been out to Colorado skiing before, and I wanted to be a cowboy and play music. So I I decided to go out there and do that. And um, one thing led to another, you know. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, I, 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 I saw that you wanted to be a cowboy and play music. My first thought was your parents let you sit in front of the TV when Roy Rogers was on a little too much. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, but, uh, at that time, there was so much great uh, country music out, mm-hmm. you know. And I, and I love blues, too. I just wasn't educated with blues. 
as much as I was everything else. And there was just so much of a cowboy influence with, I guess, Urban Cowboy was a big movie then, but you got Charlie Daniels, Willie Nelson, Waylon right, Jennings, yeah. Merle Haggard. I mean, who who couldn't love that stuff, you know? And and uh, But the cowboy thing was, was great. And, uh, you know, Roy Rogers, his name is Leonard Sly, and he, he's from Ohio. From Ohio. I did not know that. I did not know that. Yes, sir. Um, and you ended up uh, working for a company and going, uh, taking uh, city folk uh, on backcountry trips, and you were a guide, and then at night you would entertain them with the guitar and then sing songs to them. Uh, how long did that gig last? I think that was like maybe a year, you know, year or two, season or two. And, um, well, when I say season or two, you've got like spring, summer, and fall, mm-hmm. part of fall for hunting season. But, yeah, I didn't have any money. I lived on this Indian reservation with this old cowboy that took me under his wing. He was 69 years old, Texas cowboy. And I met him on my way down going driving through the mountains he was on a horse here he popped up out of nowhere and i said you're doing what i want to do and he says come and see me so i showed up and um i worked for free he taught me which end the bridle went on and and how to green break horses and we'd take them off the reservation or get somebody's wild horses been out there and he, he, he taught me how to you know train them and and break them i don't mean in a a hard way but get them where they're mm-hmm. not scared of you, you know. And right, yeah, yeah. He, re- he was really good, this guy, and uh, and I, I was very grateful for that. I slept in my truck or in the tack room in the barn, and uh, we'd shower. They had showers there on the – this was a, like a racetrack on an Indian reservation. And it was very, very priceless times. I didn't have any money, so I had a songbook. I'd sit around the barn at night uh, learning chords and, and memorizing words to songs, you know, at the time, and – big Marshall Tucker band fan. That's kind of why I got the guitar. I wanted to learn how to play Can't You See. Hmm. Okay, okay. And uh, so that lasted, what did you say, about a couple of years? Yeah, I think a couple of years there. Yeah, and what and was on. next? And what was next for you? Well, I got laid off one, uh, one fall. A bunch of hunters canceled. So I'm sitting there with nothing to do, and there, there was this little mountain bar. It's about the size of the average living room. I mean, not not big, maybe twenty by mm-hmm. twenty, twenty five or thirty by thirty. Right. And so I sat up in there and played for for tips and I think food and put a band together. And I never looked back. I just uh we put together this cool little combination of guys and I took some of the scales of sales skills I had acquired and management skills from that, that plumbing, electric, and heating stuff. I mean, you can sell toilets, you can you can sell gifts. You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, you know, it's like, yes, ma'am, what kind of toilet seat would you want? So you get over that embarrassment, and then, you know, you can, you can go talk to a borrower. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, so I started selling, selling, selling gigs, and, and um, I remember the first one we ever played was up in Silverton, Colorado. Pretty cool stuff up in old mining town. And this kept going. I got a couple guys that were that, that jumped on board, and and we we became a real popular band in a short amount of time out in the southwest there. And, and boy, you talk about three hundred bucks a week. I mean, you know, in nineteen eighty three, that's that was good money, man. Yeah, you know, absolutely. Yeah. Hell, yeah. sometimes now it's still good money. You know, but, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but that was great money. 
girls, free whiskey and three hundred a week. I think I've I think I've made it. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Uh, yeah, as I know when I was looking in your discography, um, you know, a lot of those uh, sixteen albums probably. Uh, um, I'm not even sure. Do you do you still have a copy of all of them? Uh, you know, I do, um, and a couple haven't been released. They were cut uh, when I was dealing with uh, the Gordys from Motown out okay. in California, and they're they're in the form of demos. I think I'm going to release them though. Um, I I, I, yeah, that's cool. Um, I see you had a compilation. Uh, uh, you do have a, one compilation now, but eighty-three to eighty-eight, um, and the, those are kind of the years you're talking about now, where you're doing in the Southwest uh, with with this band. Yeah, yeah, yep, yeah. There's some cowboy stuff in there, and there's some rock and and uh, just some straight up country stuff, and some southern rock, and and uh, just a real variety of of, of things. On those albums, yeah. Um, let's listen to another song from the new one. Loosen up. Uh, this is one you wrote with uh, album producer Tom Hambridge. Uh, talk about God heals you when you cry. Well, I just was in one of those uh, one of those places, man. You know, emotions over mm. uh, overcame, and um, you know when I when I get really uh, melancholy like that, um, it's, it's a good time to sit down and just start start playing. And uh, I think that's how it just came out. I hit some chords and you know just started falling out, you know. So um, oh, cool. I kind of I've kind of lived it, and I think this song has. I think a lot of people have, and uh, it's uh, probably the most somber thing on the album. The rest of it's pretty much roadhouse rock and roll. Yeah, but I, I think that's why I picked it because I wanted to, I want to show a, a different side, you know, and uh, and uh, it, it's it's a great song. God heals you when you cry. R.B. Stone from Loosen Up. <laughs> Sorrow 
when you cry. From the album Loosen Up, R.B. Stone, God Heals You When You Cry. Um, showing love to those on the album, R.B. is on lead vocals, harmonica, cigar box, cigar box guitars. Uh, Tom Hambridge is on drums and backing vocals. Robert Britt on guitars. Tommy McDonald on bass and Jefferson Jarvis on keys. Uh, Tom Hambridge produced the album. It was engineered by Michael St. Leon. And it was tracked at Black River Entertainment Studios. And it's on R.B.'s label, Middle Mountain Music. Uh, gotta check it out. Uh, George in the chat room wants to know uh, the first tune we played. Um, at the end, he said it sounded like a hybrid cigar box guitar. He's wondering if uh, it was built by a guy named Captain Ron from Birmingham. Yeah, but uh, that Captain Ron, yeah, the, the last track on the album, I used that uh, the cigar box guitar. What George might be hearing is uh, <laughs> Tommy. We put distortion on his bass guitar, so um, you oh, don't okay. hear that every, you know. <laughs> so it's a little like, what is that? But it was pretty funny. We we funked it up. Uh, he just put distortion on it. It's just just something different. But uh, no okay. track ten, Harley Hart is uh, a cigar box. Uh, Captain Ron and Tom and I did a, a duo, uh, drums and cigar box, and, um, and we we cut it and it turned out not bad. Okay, so there you go. Uh, was the side? Uh, was was yeah. So there you go, George. Um, now, something you mentioned just a little while ago, I knew nothing about because there's there's a, there's a gap in the in the history there a little bit. RB, um, talk about what happened with uh, with Motown Records and the Gordy Brothers in California. Well, I was just. Uh living in this little town called Hemet. I think that's where the world comes to an end, you know. <laughs> and the and studio opened up, and this guy was connected to his Gordy family. And and um, Gwen Gordy, Barry's oldest sister, uh, came and started checking out my tunes and really dug my stuff. So she got behind, I think, about 27 songs I had, and we recorded them. And, and she, was, she and Anna Gay's um, widower, Anna Gay, uh, they were getting behind a rally behind me to push me through to Motown at that time. And, and, uh, so I was on my way to some promising things. And then as fate would have it, sometimes Gwen had a stroke oh. and so Barry pulled the plug and said, no more work for Gwen. So we, uh, you know, we stayed in touch. I'd go down and hang at her house some. And, and then, uh, she, you know, she says, uh, stay in touch, get up with Joe Bett, which was their publishing company, you know, and, mm-hmm. and all. So I, I did. And, but then Gwen uh, wound up passing away. And um, and that happens, you know. And it's, yeah. it's, you just never know how long somebody's going to be around. So you got to seize the moment, you know. Um, you just never know. But that's what that's how that went down. So what looked like kind of a dead end turned into – um, a cool thing, you got to look for the blessings, and uh, Barry Gordy wound up selling half of Joe Bett to EMI, and so I wound up under the EMI umbrella and moved down to Nashville and started producing a few demos for 
EMI Nashville, EMI Music Publishing Nashville. Right. And then they, they gave me the studio to do one of my albums, and and uh, so it turned out pretty good, you know, down there for that. And you ended up but, staying in Nashville, and that's where you still you still call your home base, right? Well, it is. I mean, I'm a friggin' gypsy fan. I mean, I, well, I may be here. Today. I may be in Memphis tomorrow, you know. But I mm-hmm. left here after that stint, and I went to let's see, I went to Las Vegas. But I was touring all over the world at that point. I mean, I was producing shows in Japan for the military. I put like a hundred shows over there one year. Uh, 60 on myself, 40 on other acts, you know, taking everybody from Stella Stevens, the actress, to uh, Herb Peterson from the Laurel Candy Ramblers Desert Rose Band back then to uh, different TV stars and such. Um, and and that kept me really busy. I had a really good career going, uh, doing that. So I wasn't in country a whole lot. And I'd go to Europe. What, what, now, what, what, were the years, what were the years for that? Um, 90, probably three or four, I'm mm-hmm. guessing through up till nine eleven. Nine eleven just kicked the, the the wind right out right. of the sails of funding for all that sure. stuff, and, and sure. um, so that that yeah that really that really hurt a lot of the budgets the military had. But I was working for the Japanese doing shows and things like that, as well as concert halls in Europe and festivals and such, and had a pretty good life, man. I. I wound up going to pilot school in there and uh, got into flying jets for a little bit. So I'd fly some jets. I'd go play some music. and It's a pretty cool life. And then uh, but 9-11 kind of took both of those gigs away. So yeah. I've been trying to reinvent myself, you know, ever since. But um, I hadn't quit playing. And then I wound up moving to Las Vegas. I had some friends that had a showroom at the Rio, the Shentis. And it's funny, I turned on the TV yesterday, and there they were doing a a cooking show from their house, mm. and uh, and I, I kind of kicked around Las Vegas. Uh, you never know. You get in the business, you see a successful manager who had had the shintas, and don't always think that just because they're successful with one act, it'll work for you. <laughs> so it's one of those things. We couldn't get much going for me, so I, I wound up doing some movie things. I mean, when I lived out in L.A., I I got into some acting. And, did a national commercial and such, so I got up in Vegas and started doing a little bit of that and just playing around the casinos, doing some a few showrooms and lounges and such, and and uh, just got really bored with the non-original scene. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a lot of cover and copy stuff, and so I moved back to North Carolina. I was down there about three years and then played my hind end off. You know, there was music everywhere that I got into the blues more there, started in Vegas, and got into it more there. Even though I'd been writing blues music all my life, I hadn't pursued it as an artist. And so a couple of the blues DJs got behind me down there. So this is great, do this, do that, do that. And so I I did and um, wound up moving back to Nashville and and just diving into going after uh, the blues roots world. Absolutely, and and doing a hell of a job at it. just so we so you all know, I mean, Arby's been honored by the military for the for all the stuff that he did for them over the years. Uh, the man has traveled uh, and played uh, 32 countries on five continents. Um, so uh, it's, a, it's a hell of a hell of a career you've had going there um, all those years. Um, what? Uh, 
has it, how much do you think it's impacted your songwriting? Um, I don't know how much the traveling has. I mean, uh, just life, you know, mm-hmm. I, just experiences to me. Well, honestly, I, I guess I could say I've got a song called Caracas. I mean, I met a girl in Amsterdam. I got to get you a copy of that album. It's kind of an Americana roots thing with blues on it. Yeah, but, I'd love uh, to hear it. You know, just experiences today. Had an experience last weekend. I won't go into, but I came up with the title today: "Keep your crazy to yourself." I got enough of my own. You know? <laughs> 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 and, uh, okay. I think that, that's going to be kind of a fun little zydeco thing. Um, cool. But just meeting people uh, and songwriting, as far as that goes, well, definitely the traveling period and, and the experiences from traveling. I mean, you can travel and not experience, but um, sure, I, I absolutely. chose to experience. Yeah, I mean, uh, if you're gonna if you're gonna go be a cowboy, go be a cowboy. Don't sit and watch movies, you know. Yeah. If you yeah. want to play play guitar, go buy a guitar, man. But you know, I, I kind of would take it to extremes, or at least I used to, and you know, and just whatever it takes attitude to to do stuff, and I just prefer not being a poser, I guess. I'd, I'd rather get in there and get beat up a little bit and, and take some lumps to learn how to do it right. But Yeah, no, um, and then, and, and, you know, RB is, he's telling the truth. He's he's a straight up, straight up kind of guy, and that's uh, that's why I, I, I like him. And, uh, again, you know, should have been here a long time ago. I'm still kicking myself over that. But uh, we rectified it, so that's okay. Um, that. I want to just mention, I wanted to mention that the cover, because I made such a big deal about it, uh, was by Mark Goodman, um, and uh, yeah, you got to just you got you got to check out the cover. It's a great, great, great thing. I got to actually keep turning I think, it over. I think it's it. on my website. I think you can. Yeah, uh, yeah you can. And or buy the album. I've got to get all the other albums loaded on there. We just did reconstruction on the site. But uh, what happened with that? It's funny you mention it. Is um, you know we were going to either go with the title "Loosen Up" or "Too Hot to Handle," and so once I said, well, let's go loosen up, I had these ideas of, you know, the sex thing, and I had a guy working with me, I won't mention his name, bit of a curmudgeon, you know, <laughs> so they're sending me all these, I said, what about a girl like untying her top or something, you know, just loosen up or right. something like that, so I got Mark and this other guy shooting me all these things, and just nothing's really knocking me out, and then Mark sends me this this face, and it is a woman, I think. Yeah. Yeah, I know, you can go either way, right? <laughs> I mean, and, and I, I, I cracked yeah. up laughing. I said, that is just friggin' great. And it has her holding a rolling pin. If you if you mm-hmm. haven't seen it, folks, it's uh, it looks like Granny from the Beverly Hillbillies, but worse. It looks like, <laughs> it, looks like, it, looks like it looks like a pissed-off Granny on crack from the Beverly Hillbillies, okay? It does. You're, that's <laughs> a good analogy right there. That's a good one. And, 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 she, and the original thing was she was flipping the bird. Oh, okay. And, and I thought, that is friggin' hilarious, but obviously we're limited with this cover. So mm-hmm. Mark is, is brilliant at this stuff. And so he came up. I said, have her shaking a fist or something. Well, he found this rolling pin he put in there, and it's even more effective, I think. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, uh, absolutely. and so it, 999 out of 1,000 people you know, look at it and laugh and go, oh, my God. And that's <laughs> what I wanted out of them. I mean, I don't yeah. have the ego where I've got to have my picture on the cover. Who cares, you know? It's like, put something 
striking on there that people will remember. And uh, yeah. so that's what we did. And I, I had to part ways with one of the people who were, were uh, putting it together. So I don't want my name on this with that picture. I don't want somebody thinking I picked it. I said, well, it says right on there you didn't. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it was picked by Mark. But, uh, you know, I said, it's my you-know-what's on the chopping block. Well, I, don't, I don't know what you're scared of. But uh, at any rate, uh, we'll let them remain, uh, remain, uh, you know, anonymous. But at yep. any, I, I just, it's just you won't see a cover like that. I mean, I know, and, and that's the fun. That's the fun thing, you know. I mean, and, and I think it harkens back to the fact that I mean, you know, we are the same age. Um, you know, we grew up with albums where the album artwork was something to, you know, to get your attention. It wasn't always the band's picture on the cover. Um, you know, album album names. You know, uh, artists used to use them to play games. I mean, you know, one of my all-time favorites, uh, you know, um, uh, you broke my heart, so I busted your jaw. Um, yeah, right. right. You know, I mean, you know, think, you know, just, you know, it, it, it should be fun. It should be a little irreverent, and, and, and this is. Um, your summer's definitely booking up. I, I see you going back to Sturgis. They love you in Sturgis, don't they? Well, no, that's Little Sturgis up in Kentucky, okay. but yeah, I'm right. there just about every year. Um, yeah. I did get some calls from the big Sturgis, and I just ran out of manpower to put it together. It still may fall in. I don't know. I just uh, I brought on a couple agents to uh, to help. Cause I, see, I've done my own booking for almost 30 years, at least 95% of it. Mm-hmm. So I've got some people coming on board, and uh, hopefully they'll fill in the gaps. You know, I just booked a, a show up in Luther, Michigan, which we just changed the date on. Uh, it'll be in August now. It's a nice city function. And I just booked two dates, too. Uh, i got to make sure these are on the website. One with Black Oak, Arkansas. Next that month. one is there. That one is on the on the website. I saw that today. Oh, good. And then uh, yeah. the Outlaws, are the friends of mine, Henry Paul and Billy Crane and, and all those guys, you know. Um, that also that also up there is up in August. There. Yeah. Yeah, and I'll be adding probably a few more here and there. Um I'm just trying to let the agents do their thing. I don't know how much luck they're having, but uh we shall see. But I, I'm a road dog. I like playing I'd be happy just staying on the road and playing, you know, three to six nights a week. Mm-hmm. I don't have a problem with that. I mean that's we go at least for me, I go through all these other over all these other hurdles just so I can play, as a lot of musicians do. Sure, sure, absolutely. So if somebody's not going to put your record out, do it yourself. Huh? You know, if somebody doesn't think you're good enough, don't let it stop you. I mean, you know, don't quit the business just because somebody doesn't pick up your records. Like, well, sorry, okay, you had first shot. And my philosophy has always been by the time they say no, I'll have it on the radio, you know. <laughs> and he's done it, folks. And he's done it. RB, it's really been a pleasure. I really enjoy it. Um, we need to we need to get together again soon here in Memphis. Um, I'm gonna play one more from the uh, from the album. This is again. Uh, this is one of yours. Uh, gone is gone. Could be. Uh, um, good luck. Have fun this summer. Have a lot of fun, and uh, we'll we'll catch you here soon. I know you'll be back. Yeah, many thanks. I'll swing down and see you here sometime soon. Absolutely. You can check out all things we'll RB Stone. Yeah. www.rbstone.com. Go check it out. You can buy the album there. You can check out his schedule. You can check out all the, everything about him. Uh, and uh, you'll, you'll be glad you did. This is from the Loosen Up album, Gone is Gone Can Be.
up, but you ain't talking truth. The more I listen to you, the more I get the blues. Save your tainted stories, save your little lies. Same for that other fool you with last night. can be. Music on the Couch is sponsored by Lisa Bialis. Lisa has a new album entitled Singing in My Soul with Ricky Nye and the Paris Blues Band. Uh, the album honors early blues and jazz and features tunes from Sister Rosetta Tharp, Mississippi John Hurt, W.C. Handy, Peggy Lee, and Patsy Cline. 
Lisa Bialis has been held as a singer that delivers the goods with power and authority. Check out all things Lisa Bialis and purchase Singing in My Soul at www.lisabialis.com. That's L-I-S-A-B-I-A-L-E-S.com. The show is also sponsored by Eric Hughes and his latest album, uh, Drink Up. Released on the I-55 label, Jerk Up is a welcome treat for our Hughes fans and a wake-up call for those who have not experienced the pure feel of the Memphis blues as delivered by Hughes and his band. True, ble- that, true Beale Street blues with the flavoring of rock and country, Drink Up is an album you will want to hear. Check out www.erichughesband.com to buy Drink Up and for all things Eric Hughes. Back in 2012, my next guest joined me from his home in Australia, and we discussed, we discussed his life and his career as a musician and a producer while we listened to music from his uh, just-released EP. Uh, he comes back now with a brand-new album. The album is entitled Nursery Rhyme Blues. His name is Isaiah B. Brunt, and uh, this is the title track from that album. Singing those nursery rhymes, 
Welcome to the show. Thanks for bringing us the music. Uh, yeah, you're welcome. Uh, I, Thanks for playing sure. it. Yeah, no, it's great. It's great. I'm really enjoying it. Um, talk about the album. Um, you know, you've been working on this uh, for a little while now. Yeah, there's there's definitely since a lot of the songs on there that I've been playing for a couple of years now, and you know they've been in the making. Mm-hmm. So it, it got to the point where I thought, you know, I need to do an album, I need to record this and put this down, so it was, you know, that was about that time to do it, and that's what's um, come about with the 11 tracks on the on the debut album that, that's out right now. Yeah, it's uh, great. Um, the, the, um, t- tell us, I got, obviously I got it digitally through uh, Airplay Direct, uh, tell us who's on the album with you, who, who joins you on the album. Well, there's a couple of uh, people that I've played with before, and, and you know, and uh, a couple of guest musicians. Uh, there's a guy who's playing uh, blues harp on the first track, Just a Beautiful Thing. That's uh, a good friend of mine, uh, Jim Conway. Um, he's played here uh, in quite a few bands, and he's kind of notorious for going over to uh, the U.S. in the 70s and getting up in the juke joint. Um, and, uh, well... Before he got up in the juke joint, they weren't too sure who this guy was. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he told them he was from Australia and that uh, <laughs> he could play the blues. So uh, they got him up and he played harp and um, and uh, he, he got a he got a bit of a roaring ovation right. at the end of the jam. So you know, yeah, proved himself proved himself to be worthy, worthy, worthy. Yeah, um, worthy. yeah. yeah. and he's still playing all, after all these years. I I did a gig at the. Uh, 
a place on the week uh, a couple of weekends ago now for the album launch and uh, we got Jim up there he's in the wheelchair now because he's got M- MS but uh, he made it all the way up and you know he's the sort of soldier that gets up and just keeps playing so there were quite a few songs that he wasn't prepared for but you know yeah yeah being a veteran I just you just throw them at those those type of guys and they keep playing well, let's listen to Jim uh, with you on uh, Just a Beautiful Thing. Great. Thank you. 
The album is Nursery Rhyme Blues, brand new from Isaiah B. Brunt, and uh, we're striking with Isaiah. He's uh, in Australia, and it's tomorrow over there, uh, probably <laughs> at, uh, about 2.30 in the afternoon, I guess. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, okay, good. Yeah, good. Nice and sunny day here in Sydney, Australia. Oh, there you go. Great. Um, well, you're just you're about to move into you're in the fall now, right? You're about to move into your winter. Oh, it's just getting cold now. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because yeah, yeah. it's just getting warm here. I know <laughs> that. <laughs> um, Isaiah, just you know, for those of you who maybe not heard you before, um, you know, how did you get stuck in this in this time of you know the blues of the twenties? You see, I mean, you your music is is, is so. Steeped in that tradition. Yeah, I, I, I kind of listen. Well, I listen to a lot of. I've got. I've got. There's people like yourself who, um, you know, keep the the blues going. And and I remember when I was a kid, uh, some of the radio stations late at night. You know, the which is the only time you could hear blues probably mm-hmm. was uh, uh, really late at night. And I used to listen to those blues stations. You know, and they play all that. Muddy Waters type style, John Lee Hooker, and all the all the you know all the early type type of blues guys, and sure. that you know that that obviously is rubbed off on me over time. And when I started writing my my own stuff, I mean I started when I was younger, but you know it didn't it didn't actually make sense till years later when I started you know really getting into it and saying okay this is this is what I want to do. And, as, and when I sat down to try and write songs, I, it was the most natural thing for me to do is just to go to that acoustic side of, of the blues and, you know, yeah, map out the song. Um, Beale Street, that's on this album, right? I, I don't know. I've got to, I, I, something happened when I downloaded this. When I downloaded this music, I ended up with almost 16, 17 songs. Now, I'm not sure where I grabbed. Where, where some some of this came from, it, it kind of got all jumbled together. Is Beale Street from the new album? Beale Street's number two. Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. Uh, um, it, it's this song which um, I had a ukulele when I was over there at right. the uh, you know the challenge a couple of years ago, and I got a bus from Nashville to Memphis, and uh, it was the first time I you know going to Memphis. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, just dithering away on on the uke, waiting waiting for the bus, and and even in the bus actually. <laughs> and it it was kind of like the anticipation of talking to people on the bus about you know this great place, Memphis, and and, and it's like a you know part of my dream of getting to the you know the home of the blues there. Right. And and walking down this this street that I'd heard a lot about, and you know, had just steeped in in blues history. So that that's where the song came from. Was you know I'm going to ride that bus to Memphis, which I which I did. Yeah. And I walked down there. Now in the song, you probably heard there's a sousaphone in there. Mm-hmm. I'm playing a slide yep. on the ukulele, a dobra ute, and there's a guy who's doing a tap dance. He's tap dancing in the in the middle of the middle of the track, <laughs> and he's a a champion tap dancer apparently. But that's you know that's something that. Phil and I um, agreed that it, you know it might it might work. It might not. A lot a lot of the album was like that. You know, mm-hmm. sure. our ideas which were conceptions of what the song was about, and we tried them, and you know most of them actually worked. Who played the sousaphone? A guy called Rod, and uh, he plays for uh, uh, 
uh, a jazzy blues band called the Big Old Bus. Okay. From uh, Nursery Rhyme, from yeah. Nursery Rhyme Blues, Isaiah B. Brunt and Beale Street. from the wilderness of Canada and you are listening to Music on the Couch with Vinnie Bomb Marini. Uh, I just want to mention next week is Memorial Day here in the United States so uh, we'll not be having a show uh, but it gives you a chance to check out uh, go go over to musiconthecouch.com scroll down the left side of the page and uh, pick out a, pick out any show just pick, click on a show and listen to it. Uh, but in two weeks we'll return. We're going to have Brad Vickers with us. Shakur Sadeid uh, will also be joining us from Canada. I'm looking forward to talking to Shakur. And um, we're also going to have some of the ladies, including the lady that just uh, gave us a little bit of a drop there, uh, Miss Sunday Wild. Uh, they participated in a wonderful recording session down at Hobson Plantation uh, right before the IBC this year. 
Uh, they call themselves Women in Blues International, and the album is simply entitled Hobson Plantation. Uh, and uh, a few of the ladies are going to join Sunday, and they're going to come and talk about that whole experience, and we'll play some music from that album. Uh, and it's the first Monday of the month, so we'll be speaking with Chef Jimmy Pachacola with his Blues 41.com report. And remember, you can check out, like I said, all the archives of music on the couch. Check out uh, sponsorship opportunities. Send me an email at sponsorship at musiconthecouch.com. Uh, we're talking to Isaiah B. Brunt uh, from Australia. Uh, his new album is called Nursery Rhyme Blues. And uh, Isaiah, any thoughts of getting back to the United States at some point? Oh, definitely. Yeah. You know, it's, uh, it's, it's part of a, a, a larger plan, if you like. Okay, okay. <laughs> And uh, you know, there's a few there's a few places on the on the periscope. Mm-hmm. Um, I just got to just got to get a few other things in place first, and um, you know that's uh, that's for another show, I think. Absolutely, yeah, yeah, definitely for that one. Yeah, sure. Okay, uh, it's time for you to play DJ, and I know it's hard to pick between your children, but other than the songs that we've already played, uh, which song should we close the show with? I think uh, before you lay me down, because that's uh, I'm, I'm right now. I'm doing a a music video clip of that song, and okay. uh, it, it's steeped in the kind of um, you know Sergio Leone styled uh, spaghetti uh, western. Spaghetti western, where um, we're doing sketches for half of it in the uh, during the chorus. You know, it'll be me singing, mm-hmm. but it'll be Noel style, and um, yeah, we. A friend of mine who did the album has has gone all out with a saloon bar background, you know, oh, which cool. will be uh, green, green uh, greened into the background from green screen. Uh, yeah, yeah. Green screen, yeah. Yep. Cool. Cool. Looking forward to seeing it. Um, again, the album is Nursery Rhyme Blues. You can check out all things Isaiah B. Brunt, and uh, also you can purchase the album. Uh, go to www.isaiahbbrunt.com. I S A I A H B B R-U-N-T dot com. Uh, and, uh, of course, as with all my guests, uh, tomorrow when I get the sh- uh, show archives up uh, on my site, there'll be a link to his website there also. Uh, Isaiah, thanks so much. I really appreciate it. It really, really makes me feel good when, you know, past guests bring, bring their new music back to the couch. And uh, when you've got big news about coming to the United States, yeah, let us know. We'll bring you in. We'll make the announcement <laughs> sure, <we'll>. here. <laughs> thanks very much, Vinny. Look I've, forward to it. I appreciate it. From Nursery Thanks Ryan for having Blues. me on. Thank you. Uh, Isaiah B. Bronson, before you lay me down, and we'll see you in two weeks, everyone. There was an old man on the land. He carried a gun in his hand. He said, listen to me, son. Well, I tell you one time. A long, long time ago, before the rail and the road they came. Up behind the church on the road, a bunch of outlaws slowly rolled. After robbing the town of all the money and gold, they took the preacher's wife and disappeared along the road. He said, before you lay me down He said, before you lay me down Bury me deep in the ground Under an 
Bury me deep in the ground 